Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out in your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. So, I have two kids. Um, well, the moment I say you would know the one I'm talking about. So, she, if she wants to tell you a story, oh my goodness. Sometimes, okay, when she was much younger, she would actually like follow me around the house. Because she's trying to tell me this story. So, she's going to follow me all around the house because the story is so long. And my attention span is like, no, because I'm already like, I'm busy. So, but now she's grown. So a lot of times, even when she starts the story, it's the brother that is saying, can you get to the point? Can you get to the point? But now she's wiser. So the first thing she's going to tell me when she has a story and she knows the story is long, she's asking, mom, how much time do you have? <laughs> I'm like, okay, how, okay, yeah, yeah. Let me just give me time, not now, because she knows how much time do you have so I can get you the details. So, this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 4. Amen. So, let's start from verse 1. It says, And when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands were feeble, and all the Israelites were troubled. Verse 2. And Saul's son had two men that were captains of bands. The name of the one was Banner and the name of the other, Rechab. Let's jump to verse 4. It says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet and was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. His name was Mephibosheth. So this chapter is talking about one of Saul's sons. His name is actually Eshbosheth. This is not Mephibosheth. So Saul was a king in Israel. If you've read the Bible, they got to a time that the Israelites were asking God for a king. So Saul became the king. But after Saul became a king, after a while, he began to disobey and not do right. So God anointed David in place of Saul. But even before David became king, in place of Saul, I mean Saul they became enemies. Because Saul was trying to get rid of David. But Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan loved David. That's even the way the Bible puts it. They were friends. They were covenant friends. So even though Jonathan was supposed to be the one next in line, next on the throne, but he knew that the hand of God was upon David. So that was the situation. But after Saul disobeyed God, and they went to war at some point, like I'm jumping chapters, 
So Saul and Jonathan were killed in this war. So another son of Saul was Ish-bosheth. Let's not confuse it with Mephibosheth. Ish-bosheth. So this chapter was actually talking about how he was killed. So what this is saying is that Saul had no more sons. So there's nobody else that could get on the throne after Saul. So, but it, does, it didn't really matter because God had already anointed David in place of Saul. So, but Jonathan, Saul's son that was killed with Jonathan, with, with Saul, had a son named Mephibosheth. And this story, like in verse 4, is telling us that when all these things were happening, Saul was killed, Ishbosheth was murdered, someone was trying to run with Mephibosheth because they're like, he's the only one left. Let's take him and run away from this scene, from everything that is going on. So they tried to do that. And he said, a nurse carried him. But in the process of trying to run away, guess what? She dropped him. She dropped a five-year-old. <laughs> and at that time, the Bible says, he became lame on both feet. He became lame. So my question to you this morning is, who dropped you? What dropped you? Is there any situation in life that you went through and you felt, oh, it's hard for me to come out of this? You felt dropped. Was it an addiction that you feel, oh, this thing keeps getting hold of me? You felt dropped. Did you go into depression? Was it a job situation? Did you start a business? And then everything didn't work out. You felt dropped. And yours might be a loss. I know some of us went through that loss in 2020. I lost my dad. And on top of losing my dad, there were issues even with my sisters. I felt dropped. Now, why are you guys not carrying me along? Do you feel that? I felt dropped in my spirit. And when I, was, when I was preparing this message, there's a life experience that normally, because I remember one time I told my, my son, I had, some, I had a, a place to minister. So I told my son, so my son was asking me, like, mom, what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, they just need me to talk about myself, about what we are, who we are. And he's like, mom, that must not be easy. I said, that must not be easy every time you have to say this. But when I was preparing this message, it dropped in my spirit and said, share it. If this is going to help somebody. Especially when I was reading it and I saw that it was a nurse. He came to me and like, you need to share this. So what happened? I have, we ha I have two kids. So years ago, my husband was ill and then he had to he was in the hospital then he had to go through a surgery and then I mean the surgery was they said it was successful and all so we left the hospital and we went home and then a few days after he began to develop like complications from the surgery so we went back to the hospital long story short he passed and then even 
one of the doctors, a few of the doctors, we had meetings, several meetings. Because they were like, okay, something went wrong. And you know they never want to admit. But for some, one of the doctors actually had to tell me, you know you have grounds to sue? And I had to say, no, I don't even have the strength to do that. I have a four-year-old, I have a five-year-old. I'm not, I don't have the time, I've wasted enough time and energy. I was drained, I was young. I was like, I didn't want to do that. But I felt dropped. I felt dropped. Because all of the doctors were like, this shouldn't have happened. If they did this on time, if they did this, if they did that. But guess what? It doesn't matter. I felt dropped. My kids felt dropped. Because now, they don't have a dad. I, we felt dropped. So, dropping made them lame, made this guy lame, Mephibosheth. He became lame on both feet. And when I was looking up the meaning, the definition of lameness, it's not, it's not, talk, it's not just talking about physical ailment. No, it said crippled. It said weak, wounded, unable to move. Unable to make progress. That's lameness. So what area of your life are you thinking about? And like, I'm lame in this area. Or yours is just like, well, I don't feel I'm lame in any area. I got it all together. But no. No. As long as you are here, there's something that God is working on. He's working on me. On me. If I felt like, oh, I'm not lame, but there's a level which I'm at. And God is saying, no, I want much more for you. So you're lame in that area. You're, maybe, maybe it's just on one foot. You're limping. But there's so much more that God has in store for you. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Just flip a few pages. And we're going to continue to read about Mephibosheth, the, same, the grandson of Saul who was dropped. Remember I said it earlier that Saul became an enemy of David. And he tried to kill David on several occasions, but he, he just did not succeed. But after he left and everything had happened, thank God for the love of God in the heart of David. Thank God for the love of God in the heart of David and the forgiveness. So chapter 9 verse 1, I said, starting from verse 1, it said, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David is still looking for someone to show kindness to for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. Ziba was serving with David at this time. So David called him and he said, oh, you are a servant of, you were a servant of Saul. He said, yes. And he asked him, verse 3, and the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? 
And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, in Lodibah. In Lodibah. Let me tell you what the meaning of Lodibah. Lodibar is a slum. It's ghetto. This guy we're talking about was a prince. Remember, Saul was a king. So he grew up in that household of royalty. That's, where he, that's what he knew before he was dropped. And now they had to take him to, to Lodibar where he grew up. By this time, he was a grown man. He had his own son. But he was in Lodibar. Lodibar is a low place. It's the lowest of places that you couldn't imagine that a prince lived in. So, my question to you again is, from what level do you think life has dropped you? You could have said, oh, I was on top. I was doing this. I was that. I was due for that promotion and then I lost the job. I've put in so many years, I've put in all this effort. It yielded no fruit. Lodiba, he was in Lodiba, where a prince does not belong. And some of us, it's, it, it's, it might not have been life that dropped you. It could be a choice that you made. You made this choice and this choice has led you into this situation. God is merciful. He's not asking what, why, why, you, why did you get here? No, that's not why Jesus came. He came to save. He came to restore. He came to redeem us. Mephibosheth was a prince. And then he lived in the palace before that. The king lives in a kingdom. The meaning of kingdom is the king domain. When you're talking about the, king, the kingdom, the king domain, we're talking about the palace. We're talking about splendor. You're talking about glory. You're talking about wealth. You're talking about plenty. A lot of resources. I have had an opportunity to visit a palace. I had a friend of mine who was a princess. Who is a princess, yeah. So we went, so she took me home to see. And I know, I mean, a lot of us may not have the picture, but I grew up in Africa, so, and it's exactly what you see on coming to America, you know. <laughs> so, so when you're going to a king's palace, it's that beautiful. Especially because I know there are grades, but if it's a big city, oh, I tell you, there's a lot going on there. So that, on that day when I visited, there were a lot of guests. There were a lot of food, celebration. And, it, and I asked her, I said, is it always this way? And she said, pretty much. Pretty much. That's what we do. People come in here to see the king, to pay him honor. And we just like, we have people that, I mean, cooks, everybody that is cooking, serving them, just 
There was a lot of splendor and glory. And I was like, wow, this is where you wake up to every day? So when we're talking about a palace, we're talking about a kingdom, that's the, that's the king's domain. He got it all. So can you imagine? This guy lost it all. But for David. But for David. And we know every story that is in the Bible, it's not, it's not just about the story. It's a type. It's a type. Adam lost it. Because Adam lost it, but Jesus came to give it back to us. He came to give it back to us. So it's not just about Mephibosheth. But God, is going, God wants to restore whatever you have lost. Whatever position you think you might have fallen from, God is able to restore you. Whatever relationship that you think you had with God, God is able to restore you. The king is calling. He wants to restore you to your royal status. I say one of the most powerful words in the Bible is the word come. Come. Let me tell you something about invitation. <laughs> okay. There was uh, a time, I mean, a friend of mine, okay. I mean, I was, I recently, I had like a birthday. And this friend of mine is very close to me. So, but she couldn't be there. But let me tell you what everybody expected her to be there, I mean, to attend. And people were asking, and like, oh, why was this person not there and everything? I had to be the one explaining to them and say, okay, she had another engagement and she just couldn't be there because she had told me. So, but the reason why I'm using this as an example is, have you thought sometimes that, oh, I ought to have been invited to that place? Why wasn't I invited? I'm close to this person. Why didn't I get an invite? But you know what? As long as far as the Bible is concerned, you are invited. You are invited. Jesus is saying, come. It does not matter what the, what the generations have done. When the music team was, when they were singing, when they were ministering, he kept saying, they kept saying, May the blessings of God be upon you. I know generations. From a thousand generations. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah. But this is the story of Mephibosheth. That was his generation. But now, David is saying, come. I'll show you favor. I'll bring you from that generation that disobeyed God. And they had to perish. I'm bringing you into a new generation of favor. So Jesus is calling us. Jesus is calling us. Psalm 23 says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just like I said about the palace where you have a lot of food. I saw food, yeah. <laughs> a lot of food and drinks. Like, yeah, he prepares a table before you. And I know some of us that have been in the Lord for a while, you're asking that question. But say, you're making, it sound, you're making it sound so good. It's that good. It is that good. 
The Bible says, come test and see that the Lord is good. It is that good. I'm not making it up. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit was asking me to, was leading me to share my story. I'm not making it up. And you may be thinking, boss, uh, boss said, well, what you have gone through is not as bad as what I went through. It does not matter. Even if your challenges were greater than mine, God is calling you. He's inviting you to a time of refreshing. He said he will restore your soul. Psalm 23, he can restore your soul. He can restore that position. He can restore that status. He can restore your peace. No matter what you have lost, God is able to restore. He prepares a table before you in the presence of those challenges. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're going to look at another example of someone else in the Bible. Let's, let's go to Acts chapter 3. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. I know some of us, many of us would have read this passage at one time or another. Give us time to get there. Acts 3. So we're going to start from verse 1. And it reads, it said, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer been the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple first let me tell you this man was lame from birth you know Mephibosheth was not lame from birth he was dropped but this man was actually lame from birth, from the mother's womb. And he said, they laid him at the gate called beautiful. The, that's the gate of the temple was called beautiful. Can you imagine? He sat there like every day, people coming into the temple, going to worship, and then they leave. And, and he's in the same position. He was lame. He could not come into the temple. He could not. Because they just laid him there and he couldn't move. But, and, and as I was reading through the Bible, the Holy Spirit dropped it back in my heart and I'm like, do you see how much they talked about the temple of Solomon to say how beautiful he was? So this man couldn't even see it. Because if he had been in that state since birth, he probably never had any opportunity to go into the temple to see the beauty, to see the splendor, to see the glory. He was lame. He could not. And he just sat at the gate. Beautiful. That's enough. I can see enough. So, but no. Verse 3. It says, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? He asked for arms. He asked them for money. Verse 4. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with, with John said, look on us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. He was expecting money. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk from that depression. Rise up and walk from that addiction. And you're saying, but you're thinking, but it's not as easy, but there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power that is available to you. If you acknowledge it and say, God, this is a problem, but I need you. He is faithful. He says, rise up and walk. I don't want you to stay there. I want you to progress. There's so much more that I have in store for you. I need you to get it. Rise up and walk. Thank God. He, he, he was a little hesitant. He did not want yet. But guess what they did? Let's, let's look at that. It said, and verse 7, Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. His feet and ankle bones received strength. I'm prophesying strength to you this morning. Every area of your life that is lame, every ankle, every knee, I'm prophesying the strength of the almighty God unto you. May you receive strength in that area. May you receive strength in your spirit. Everything that I got in you down, I prophesy by the name of the almighty God. May you receive strength this morning. Every hand that is feeble, lift it to God and say, I receive strength this morning. In the name of Jesus. Verse 8, I said, he leaping, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. He entered with them into the temple. Can you imagine? For the first time. And the Bible says he was leaping, he was walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. Yeah, he was able to do what he couldn't do for years. What dropped you? Who dropped you? Was it from birth? Was it a situation of life? Plug it in. Plug it in. I just told you mine. You know yours. Just plug it in. But thank God, it doesn't stop there. It does not. Such as I have, walking and leaping and praising God. Restoration. Restoration. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 5 and 10, it says we are kings. We've been made kings and priests unto our God. That's who we are. We have royalty. But we can only receive the fullness of that when we come to Jesus. As he's inviting us. Just like David invited Mephibosheth back to the table. He said, come and dine here the rest of your days. Jesus is inviting us. He says, come and dine with me. Come stay with me. Come get that refreshing. Come get that refreshing. In the book of John, I think it was in chapter 7. Yeah, Jesus Christ went to the temple for the Passover. And the word of God says, 
on the last day, it must have been John 7, 30 something. He said, on the last day of the feast, he said, Jesus cried with a loud voice. He says, come unto me if you are hungry. If you are thirsty, come to me. And, I, and when I was reading it, I mean, I probably have been reading it for years, but when he jumped to me, I'm like, did Jesus have to cry? But he knew. It's that important. He shouted and said, he cried with a loud voice and said, if you are hungry, come. If you are thirsty, come. Come drink. Everything is at my table and that table is set for you. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let life deceive you. I say, this is normal. No, it's not. It's not. For a child of God, that's why even when the Bible says, this is our year of winnings and victory, it does not mean that you're not going to face challenges. But let me tell you something. The end has been decided. You win. The end has been decided. You win. Because there's somebody who took your place. And his name is Jesus. He took your place. He took the battle for you. He won it for you. You're a champion now. You're a champion now. The Bible says, for, he said, for whosoever, whoever is in God, that's Romans 8, I'm trying to paraphrase it. Is born of, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. He said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Even our faith. And also in Romans 8 too. Romans 8. Let's go there. Romans 8. Chapter 8. Um, verse 30. We're still talking about him calling you, drawing you closer. So it says, Romans 8, 30. Oh, let's start from 29. Oh, 28, sorry. <laughs> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to the purpose. You remember I said that one of the most powerful words in the Bible is come. Those are the called. And I know you might have heard the preaching and like, oh, this is talking about people with fivefold ministries. No. It's talking about you. He called you. He drew you closer. You are the called. And he has a purpose for you. So verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. He said, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. He called you. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. 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 I was trying to get the definition of glory all week. I tell you, I, I, didn't, I didn't think, oh, I was like, how do you define glory? Because glory is just so majestic. Is magnificent. When the Apostle Paul was talking about levels of glory, he said you grow from glory to glory. Glory to glory. So we can't even imagine it with our human minds, I tell you. 
When he's talking about the glory of God. Moses said it in, uh, that's Exodus. He said, Lord, show me your glory. And he's been walking with God. God has been talking to him. God has been speaking to him. He's been leading the people of Israel at this point. But he still said, God, show me your glory. He said, I'm not going to move an inch until I see your glory. God said, okay, you can go. My presence will go with you. And Moses said, no, I want to see your glory. And then eventually, God obliged him and said, I will let my goodness pass before you. So the goodness, the glory of God is all of God's goodness. It's all of his goodness. His glory. His glory. He said he will glorify you. He's called you to glorify you. He's called you to glorify you. And, you know, there's this hymn that we sing and say, just as I am, without one plea. Just that your blood was shed for me. And said, and thou did bist me to come. Oh Lord, I come, I come. I come, I come. Just as I am, I don't need to clean myself up. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. Could you imagine Mephibosheth thinking, oh, I'm going to the king's palace. Oh, how do I look? He didn't have it. He was already so down. He was coming from the slum. You cannot clean yourself up. But guess what? When you come to him, he will clean you up. He can clean you up. He is able. Just come as you are. Just as I am. Without a plea. But your blood was shed for me. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the word of God. When you respond, that's all you need. When you respond, that's all you need. Is that when you're being called to come into the palace, to come to royalty, all you need to do is show up. They're not asking you to bring your own food. No. That day I didn't have to bring nothing. I just had a companion. Yeah. And we had more than enough. Just come. Just come. And you might be saying, oh, I'm saved. So I have come. I've responded to that call. But my question to you this morning is, what area of your life is lame? What area of your life is crippled? What is hindering you from coming closer to God? Is there anything that is hindering you from giving him your all, surrendering everything to him? Because you're busy thinking about this, and we all do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, if I do this, oh, how do I pay my bills? That's real. But guess what? The same way that I just told you, you don't have to fix it. Draw close to him as he's inviting you. He can fix it. He will fix you. He can strengthen the feeble knees. He can strengthen and put strength in, your, in those ankles. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Revelation 3, 20 and 21. Let's go there. Revelation 20, 21. And I also want to let us know that everything in the Bible, I don't know if I've mentioned it, from Genesis to Revelation, it's revealing Jesus to us. If you find the, the, the word of God is a picture book. So if you're reading, even a, if there's a story that is placed in there for you, it's just telling you that it's all talking about the work of redemption, what Jesus came to do. So it wasn't about, even though we can read, oh, this is a story that happened. This thing happened. These were events. They are not just stories that someone penned down. These were events that happened in Israel back then. But God put it in the scripture for you to know that no matter how low you're falling, he's able to lift you up. He's able to lift you up. Revelation 3.20 and a lot of times when we hear this scripture, I know we always say, oh, this is for people who are not saved. But these Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3, they were written to the church. They were written to the church. This is a revelation of John. He had a revelation of heaven. He had a revelation of Jesus. And if you have a red letter Bible like mine, this is Jesus speaking. So Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. So it's not enough to just hear the voice. If someone is behind the door knocking till, and you don't open, you don't even know what they have for you. You can hear the, do the door bell. They keep ringing sometimes like, I'm not expecting a package. Why are you knocking on my door? But guess what? If I don't open, even if I did not order something, but someone was going to bless me, if I did not open that door, I'm not going to get it. So it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him. And he with me. I know this is old King James. I, I don't have other versions with me. But to sup with him means to dine with him. To eat with him. To feast with him. He has prepared a table. He wants you to feast with him. He wants you to feast with him. And like I said, this was written to a church 